Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everyone. What's the secret sauce of longevity? According to Dr. Howard Tucker, a 101-year-old neurologist, the key to living a longer life is quite simple. No special superfoods, trendy treatments, or biohacking tools here. Just regular movement, purpose, and a youthful mindset. And a Friday night martini for good measure. Let me repeat, Howard is a 101-year-old practicing neurologist, and he's constantly planning for the future. In fact, he goes as far to say that retirement is the enemy of longevity. It's such an honor to have Howard here on the show. He has so much wisdom to share, and I think we can all learn a thing or two about his balanced daily routine. Howard, welcome. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. It is an honor to have you. It's Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and rumor has it, I've read you have a ritual, which is a Friday evening martini. Does that still hold true? I love my martinis. They're smaller than they used to be, since my wife can't tolerate anymore big, big doses of it. So is that is that weekly? Is that daily? What what time of day? I have what's in it? I'm very curious. After I come home from the hospital, and she has finished working too. We sit down and please ourselves with a martini. And what time is that usually at? About seven. Wow. Okay. So you're in the hospital. You're working. You're in the hospital. Walk us through your your workday. Well, at the moment, my workday is to get on the computer screen and do expert testimony, expert medical testimony. Since I have a law degree as well as my medical degree, and I just enjoy medical legal expertise, affords me chance to learn because I want to support a point. I look it up either in books or on the screen. That's my day at the moment. I'm looking for another teaching teaching or practice job. Since the last place I worked just closed down, I think they went bankrupt and um, no longer a hospital after 175 years. Wow. So you're 102. How, how old is your wife? No, no, I'm 101. 101, sorry. When, when do you turn 102? Next, next July. I just turned 101. You just turned 101. Do you know, what are you going to do to celebrate? Have you planned your party for next year yet? We had a big party on my 95th and my 100. I mean big. My 91 is just, my 101 is just another birthday. My wife is 11 years younger. I met her when she was in med school and my student. I looked across the room and I said, John, that's a cute girl with a lot of freckles. She's adorable. And then this was at Columbia. And I didn't date her then. About six months later, I saw her on the street by chance. He was coming back from the dentist and I went to pick up my newspapers. We started talking and, and I, she was a good sport. I took her to QXR. Is that the name of the station? That had classical music in Washington, in New York. And I took her ice skating. She didn't really like, but she went along with me. 
That's it. We got married. Four kids, 10 grandkids. Congratulations. So how many years have you been married? Very 66 years. Wow. So what, what's the... <laughs> What's the secret to a to a sixty six year marriage? Well, the key is compromise, as my father would say, and I've adapted it. My father would say, when I'm coming home from work, driving home from work, saying, "Boy, I'm looking forward forward to a good meal, read a book." When I get home, my wife says, "Let's go to the movies." So we compromise. We go to the movies, and. I can follow that with poem of Ogden Nash. Ogden Nash was a silly poet. He wrote short poems in the, probably in the 50s. He died in 77. And his poem about marriage is to the husband. If you want to keep love in your loving cup, if you're wrong, admit it. If you're right, check up. I think that's so perfect. He's the one who wrote to the, the poem Candy's dandy, wine's fine, liquor's quicker. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he was remarkable. No, nobody talks about him anymore. Fame is a passing, fame is a passing event. Yes, so I totally agreed. You know, we talk a lot about longevity on this show and on My Buddy Green, but you're you're living it. You're you're doing it, and I think most of our listeners, including myself, are curious. You know, what's your secret? You know, at the highest level, what what do you do? What don't you do? So for one, you enjoy a martini with your wife after work, which is fantastic. Walk us through what are, what are some of the other things you do and some of the things you don't do in terms of your lifestyle? Well, I have a job. I enjoy my life. I would start rounds at five in the morning, usually, for two reasons. One of the other doctors who make rounds at that, the few doctors who make rounds at that morning are not interested in converse, silly conversations. And two, it's a very effective time to work. Patients are drowsy. The nurses don't complain about the patients. Patients don't complain about the nurses. And you have very efficient time to look at the chart, greet the patient, even though they're somewhat drowsy. That I enjoy my work, work all day, go to the hospital in the morning, and in the afternoon I'm in the office, and I go home and enjoy my evening, either reading or watching television, mainly PBS. We see so many English movies that when I see an American car driving on the television screen, I think, he's driving on the wrong side. He's driving on the wrong He should be driving on the right side, even though I have an MG that dates back to 1948, and it's a right-hand drive. I got that when they first imported cars from England. They imported 1,500 Roadsters, MGTC, because they weren't sure Americans were going to take on Roadsters like that. So they didn't bother changing the right-hand drive to left-hand drive. I love it. Austin, my grandson, works with me on it. As cleaned, we have a great time. His father, Peter, too. And that's it. I have a regular evening bed, I either read or go to bed. So it sounds like you work. So you have not retired. You enjoy time with your wife. You sleep. And I'm assuming you're a, a good sleeper. Would you classify yourself as a good sleeper? I am. Put my head on the floor and I sleep. And diet. 
You know, we live in a world where there's superfoods and miracle diets, so to speak. I'm curious, what 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 do you eat? Well, our breakfast, for example, begins with a citrus during season, cit- citrus during the winter, melon during the summer, and then I put the breakfast on the table, prepare it. So what I do then is cut up banana, strawberries in season, blueberries. I like raspberries. My wife doesn't. I just keep those on the side and some milk, give milk. No, 2% milk is what we use. And that's breakfast, sometimes cereal. And then tea. We drink a lot of tea. You know, they talk about, depends where you are in the, in the circle of life. Some articles say tea is better as it helps clean out the arteries. And others say coffee is better. Well, I just don't have, happen to like the taste of coffee. So we're tea drinkers. We used to get wonderful concussion from England prepared. We learned this from a psychiatrist who became head of psychiatry at the Cleveland Clinic. And his father was a famous minister in England. And his mother would send tea. It was a combination of various teas. And we drank tea all the time of that wonderful mixture. You know, a pound of this, a quarter pound of that, all mixed up. And we would order that by money order. And suddenly, they, we got a letter saying, gone away. We've never found them again. So we have to stay with, a, with teas in America's, some local tea merchants. Well, then the rest of the meals. I usually skip lunch. If you skip lunch, it's not so important. If you skip it for enough days in a row, you're not hungry at lunch. You're more efficient. Of course, you're not drowsy. And then I go home for dinner. Well, we eat fish, we eat a lot of vegetables, even broccoli. President Bush didn't like Bush the Elder, H.W. Bush, didn't like broccoli. And rarely do we have cake or pies for dessert. We just don't. Sometimes we eat another piece of fruit, or sometimes we don't have anything. Although we do cheat and take a little ice cream. But I don't think that's so bad for you. So it sounds like for, for breakfast, you've got your, your milk and your berries. You skip lunch, you're a tea drinker. And then the evening for dinner... Sounds like fish, vegetables, occasional ice cream, and enjoying a martini. And occasional meat. There's no question we eat meat. Okay. You know, some people, some vegetarians feel they prolong their life by being vegetarians. The um, Irish playwright, T.B. Shaw, he lived to 94. He was proud that he never ate meat, never drank coffee, never drank any stimulus like or liquor. I think he was depressed when he said, oh, if I could eat one steak, I would die. And um, then they asked Winston Churchill the same question, to what do you owe your longevity? And he said, I start the morning with an Armenia brandy. Now, that Armenia brandy is a proper name, brand name, has nothing to do with Armenia's, Armenia. And then he says, I drink all day. I smoke 12 to tw- eight to 12 cigars a day. And those are Churchill cigars, which are almost 12 inches long. They're very big. And he said, and I can't wait till I get home for a meat meal. And with great hubris do I say, I'm smarter than they are. I just say everything in moderation. Including moderation. Moderation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think you're hitting on an important point. There are many factors that contribute to to one's longevity. 
you know, there's being in a loving relationship, there's purpose, uh, there's nutrition, there's sleep. There, there are a number of factors. In your estimation, of all the things we've talked about, what do you think is the is the secret sauce in your opinion? I would say, well, I go back to Erasmus, 15th century Dutch philosopher, who said, study every day as if you were to live forever, play each day as if you were to die tomorrow. And I think that's a good one. And stay, stay happy and interested in your work. Stay vibrant. I exercise. I get on the treadmill. I used to run outside, but it's too rough for me now. So I do it on the treadmill. I do two miles, two to three miles of times a week and um stay happy enjoy your family life if you're lucky as i am and enjoy your work now you don't want to stay here happy in your work i had a woman patient 42 years old whose boss was such a tyrant that she would drive around the auto agency where there she worked several times before she could brace herself to go in and she had a stroke at 42 and reduce your tension tension also comes from hatred. If you hate, is unless you're abusing them physically, and hate it eats you up more than it hates up the person that you hate. So give up your hatreds. Put it aside to recognize. Don't be judgmental. Don't hate them for for generalized reasons. And again, happy life. Sounds like we need to be better at letting go of. The, the the emotional junk in our everyday life that tends to accumulate. Perfect choice of words. So what do you make of the biohacking movement right now where there's all sorts of treatments, injections, therapies uh, that are looking to extend a person's life? And they have nothing to do with letting go of their emotional junk or being in a loving relationship. They're all they're a lot of injectables, a lot of treatments. What, what What's your take on these shortcuts, if you will? Several things. We talked about a general diet. Meat, but small amounts of meat. You know, medicine has gone to it, could reverse itself. When I was in med school. They said, use Demerol. Don't use morphine. Now, of course, use Morphine and you don't use Demerol. They would say in the early days, don't eat butter, eat margarine. Now they say, eat margarine, I mean, eat butter, don't eat margarine. Woody Allen kind of said that in the movie Sleeper, where he wakes up 100 or 200 years later, and they say to him, we're going to feed you with steak and butter. His latest research shows that this is best. And in those days, everyone would roar. The other thing I think is important is no cigarettes. Of course. Cigarettes and vitamins run a similar course in the history of, of medicine, and it shows the fallibility of physicians. They are not infallible, although many think they are. For example, cigarettes. When I was in med school for several, many years afterwards, a cigarettes a physician with a cigarette dangling from his mouth would say to a patient, use cigarettes. It'll curb your appetite, quiet your nerves. And they would walk into a patient's room with a cigarette dangling from their lips. And you go to a medical meeting, you couldn't see the screen because of the blue haze. And now you know where cigarettes are. They recognized for what it was. 
Now, the reverse, not the reverse, but the opposite flow of events occurred with vitamins. At one point, the use of vitamins was lowest among physicians. They just didn't believe in them. And now, and they were the fewest number of people taking it. But now, they take it and they, they're equal at least to, to the general population, even more so concerned about the need for extra vitamins. So that's the progress in medicine. Of course, CT scans and MRIs have changed the whole approach to medical. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Yes. So, look, you're, you're very sharp. And something that's top of mind for a lot of people is their cognitive health, specifically cognitive decline. What, what are some of, we know a lot more about cognitive decline and brain health. What are some of your secrets? Are there things you've done that, that you think have allowed you to stay as sharp as you are? Well, genetics is one thing. My father would drive over to, to have dinner with us after my mother died or before, but I'm talking about now when he would drive over. He was 95 and vital. I think genetics is a head start. It's no more than a head start. As I said before, I think everything in moderation. No cigarettes. That's important. Interest in your family, interest in your work, and continue to be productive. As I told you about Erasmus, I think that's a very persistent, happy thought, brilliant thought, going back to the 1500s. How does this feel to be 101? Do you feel any different? I don't feel any different. I see. I feel vibrant. My family is, for the moment, taking my car, but I expect to drive again. <laughs> Just not after the martinis. No, not after the martinis. No, no, that would be a no, no. I use a, They force me to use a cane, particularly, and I don't use it when I'm not when I'm feeling balanced. But I use it on concrete and on grass. Other than that, I feel like like I always felt. Interesting, happy, moderate, living. What do you think we get wrong about aging? Perception of what aging means. When I was young, 35 looked old. Now, 65 looks like a child. It's all perspective. I can remember when Alzheimer's disease was called pre-senile dementia because Dr. Alzheimer, in about 1905, published an article on progressive dementia in people in their late 40s and early 50s. And in this he called pre-senile dementia. Even though the pathology under the microscope of both pre-senile and senile were exactly the same. And then the, as you, were, you suggested, perspective changes. When I was at the Cleveland Clinic in my fellowship, I had a 67-year-old patient and I presented him to my chief, who was 67, and I said, this man has a senile dementia. Well, I heard plenty from him about the senility of 67. Now I think he was right. But now they call it all one disease. Alzheimer's himself didn't want it to be called Alzheimer's. He wanted it to be called something like chronic cortical atrophy. But now, of course, his name is epidemic. <laughs> 
you know, it makes me think, given your your sense of history, is there, do you have a favorite decade? That's a very difficult question. I'm not sure. I love my Navy time. I was very fortunate. They appointed me chief of neurology for the Atlantic Fleet, Atlantic Fleet, and I had to examine any patient who was being discharged for neurological reasons, east of, whose home was east of the Mississippi, I had to examine them. And that was a delight. And also, I had three grand rounds a week with the professors in Philadelphia from Jefferson Medical College, College of Medicine, the University of Pennsylvania, and Temple. And um, just a delightful experience, having learning from these extra special people. All stars. That was probably my happiest decade. How much do you think mindset plays a role in longevity? It sounds like you're an optimist. That's why I'm asking. Oh, I'm sure it is. My, I have several friends now gone who always talked about you're young, I'm old, even though they're the exact same age. And they both died earlier. And I think I'm going to live forever. I know it's not reality. I have no no fear of dying. It sounds like you plan. You're constantly planning for the future. I'm always planning for the future. That's quite right. I'd like to go hiking again in, in the Alps, where I, where I was once. I don't know if that's wise, but I'm thinking about it. Do you think part of our problem with longevity is culturally in America? There's a, there's a desire to retire. And things tend to go south from a health perspective once people retire and lose purpose and connection and a routine and so on. I think that retirement remains the enemy of longevity. I'm so sure about that. You read every day something in the newspapers about someone who retired six months ago and he's dead now. I just can't emphasize that enough to stay optimistic, happy, and interested. Interesting in your world. And I'm curious, is there one thing you can't live without? Besides my wife? Yes. Good Good first answer. Well, I think the computer makes life easier. You know, many years ago, an attorney from Columbus brought me a case of multiple sclerosis, which he said was made worse by an injury. And I said at that time, there's no such thing. He wrote me a check for a certain amount and said, go study it. I spent a week in the library, usually getting a bursitis in my left arm, pulling out books in the medical library, which was a three-story medical library in Cleveland. More recent, And I found some that supported his posture. More recently, I saw another patient with the same history of trauma, making MS worse, worse. And I went in the computer, and within three minutes, I had my information. So I think the computers spoiled us. It's hard to go back when she gets someplace. My father would tell the story about when he was living in England, where he was reared. He would first go to a shower that everyone used in the sinner's town or a bath. And then he got enough money to go to a semi-private bath. Then he got to the private public bath. Couldn't imagine ever going back to the other ones. I think that's progress. I can't imagine I would go back to persistent look, looking at books and articles in the library. So you're taking time to do interviews like the the one you're 
you're doing with me today. And I think it's just so incredible that you're doing this. There are a lot of lessons that we can all learn. As I said, a lot of people want to live as long as you have and, and be cognitively sharp and active and, and happy, and joyful. And I'm curious, you know, people are listening and they're going to form their own takeaways. What, what do you want people to take away from you and your story and, and, and your life? I would say, first of all, no cigarettes. That's yes. It. Yes. We're there. We're there. <laughs> That's my first thought. No cigarettes. Stay vital. Stay interested in your work. If you do retire from a job, think in terms of meaningful volunteering. That's acceptable because it maintains your interest and your vitality. I pick friends who are younger than I am. My father did this. My mother died. He would, he would, and I'm the same way. My, I have friends, good friends now, who are in their 70s and 80s, and they keep me young. I continue to exercise. It gets harder and harder to do two miles, three miles. I do it. And um, I think that's it. Stay interested. Stay happy. Moderation in food. Moderation in booze. No cigarettes. <laughs> And, you know, I, I like that you mentioned volunteering. I think that's such a wonderful place to start for anyone, even those who are maybe a little depressed, maybe going through a hardship. It is just so wonderful um, to help people, to, the, to contribute to a person or a cause that is bigger than oneself. I think it is underestimated. I share that feeling with you completely. It is underestimated, and it's important. And if you had to leave our audience with advice on adversity, you know, adversity strikes, adversity is part of life. There's no getting around it. You know, adversity can take people down, uh, and for other people, they become stronger, they become more resilient. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on adversity, because I know you've, you've had some. First thing I would say is we had a carpenter, a genius carpenter, when we were building, when we moved into our current house, which is now 100 years old. And he was, he was, a, he was an immigrant, and he said it should go in this ear and out the other. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful concept. Adversity, there's always a light, a light at the end of the tunnel. I can remember when I broke up with a girl in my 20s. I thought the sun would never shine again. How preposterous. You have to look both. And recognize that past the adversity can be corrected. Is there anything else you would like to say that we haven't discussed today? And I, I will add that there's a Kickstarter for a documentary that your your grandson Austin is working on, which I encourage everyone to contribute to as they're profiling you, a worthy cause and, and many life lessons. And we'll link to it in the show notes. But in addition to to that, is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't touched on today? You are so thorough. No, I can't. I won't get into politics with you. <laughs> we don't do politics here. That's my secret to longevity. I have no more comments. Yeah, we, we don't do politics on this show. That's why this show has longevity. That's good. <laughs> that being arbitrary is dangerous for you too. So respect other people's judgment, even though it's fallacious. And just accept it as such. Is that part of them? 
Well, I, I think you're hitting on a larger point. You know, I, I, look, America is so di- divided and it's unfortunate. And, you know, I, I always, and this is often more dif- more difficult in real life than it is said, but I always try to encourage people to approach conversations that may be uh, extraordinarily uh, difficult or tense when someone's challenging your beliefs with curiosity and empathy. And that's hard to do. It is hard to do, but you think it through and realize they're sincere in their beliefs and you don't have to incorporate them. You don't have to like them, but don't be judgmental. Be arbitrary about it. Well said. Howard, thank you so much. I'm excited to celebrate. We'll have to have you back after 102. Well, thank you. I'll look forward to it.